This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And we have been failing miserably at our gold podcast. Because... I've been podcasting. Not with me. <laughs> By the way, you have ink on your lip. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. I've been messing around with my fountain pen. You know, I impressed a nun today. I want everyone to know that I am not editing this podcast. <laughs> that was literally the transition. Uh, uh, I did not know that you had impressed the nun today. So, okay, first of all, what had happened was some nuns came into our park visitor center to ask ask for a donation of all things. And I was okay. like, people normally donate to parks. And when I said that, I was like, oh, I'm joking with a nun, just like I would regular people and sure. and and i say this as someone who did time in catholic school yeah and i was like i realized i was like i'm finally in my 40s and i have no hidden fear of this nun at all so you have a story about that but continue finish but anyway opinion. uh she wanted she she wanted something i was like the only way you're gonna get that would be to contact like the washington office of the national park service what you want what is they want she wanted me to donate uh, an annual parks pass to some oh, fundraiser. Okay, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I was yeah, like that, yeah. that that's not going to happen no, here. Yeah, okay. And she's like, well, give me that number. And I was like, you know what? If anyone could talk the parks, mm-hmm. service, sure. it'd be enough. So <clears throat> I got out um, my fountain pen. And it wasn't even the uh, disposable fountain pens. Mm-hmm. That It was that red one you helped me refill the other oh, day. Sure. And she was like, oh, I can't believe what I'm seeing. You... You have a fountain pen. <laughs> the <laughs> so nerdiest like, of hobbies. I know. Uh, I don't know about that. But anyway, yeah. No, trust I, me. I, it is really like it is the most obscure hobby. Remember when you used to make fun of birding being the nerdiest hobby? Yeah. Uh, there is that. You got me there. <laughs> um, but no, I remember back when we were in college and uh, working as servers in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a party of nuns at a table that you were uh, serving and you were making jokes with them about them being nuns. Because you had figured out that they were... Because obviously, you know, nuns don't wear habits anymore. But you These had, nuns had habits. I don't think they did. No, 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 because, no. The nuns I talked to today. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. Well, these yeah. the nuns who were uh, 20 years ago were, were dining. But I mean... I, uh, and you were making jokes about them. And they're like, oh, how'd you know we were nuns? It's like, I saw you start at my knuckles. And they were like laughing at that. Oh. So. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting. You usually don't... Like most nuns do not wear... Most orders do not wear habits anymore. No, and and I mean at at the visitor center, we mm-hmm. see we see everything come oh, in, sure. all different kinds of religious garb come sure, in. Sure. But yeah, these were your garden variety. They weren't the full black <laughs> habits, but it was the veil and sure. you know mm-hmm. modest outfit and mm-hmm. gigantic crucifix. Yeah. But okay. I was just I was like Good I just realized I was having a conversation with them, and there was nothing in my <laughs> like brain. the real people and everything. No, not that the real people, but it was like that that old childhood fear of that sister Rosita. Put in quite a few of us as children. See, my, yeah, my uh, my only experience of nuns was from TV shows or, and movies, so I always assumed that they were, you know, friendly, except for the nun from the Blues Brothers, who was. Uh... That sounds like Sister Rosita. Yeah. But and anyway, but I was just like, oh, okay, oh, good. Oh, hey, speaking of the Park Service, sure. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast and you have heard of Periscope. <laughs> What? If you listen to this podcast, you're listening to it right now. <laughs> you have problems. <laughs> no. um, so uh, if you have Periscope, if you've heard of Periscope, Periscope is a way for you to broadcast live on Twitter. So you can do real-time videos. Okay. And a few weeks ago, I did it for the entire National Park Service. I cannot mm-hmm. believe... I had access not only to the National Park Service <laughs> Periscope account, but to the official National Park Service... Twitter account. You I just know there were there were four people in Washington D.C. hunched over and again like refresh it, refresh, refresh. What she's saying now? What she's saying now? What she's saying now? So anyway, um, I used I used the power of digiscoping with my phone to mm-hmm. make a live video of the Great Blue Heron Rookery. Sure. And apparently, it went over so well with Twitter, like mm-hmm. actual tw- like Twitter knows who I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they asked me to do something similar again next week. Right. And apparently. Good Morning America is also going to retweet it. Anyway, on Tuesday morning at sometime between 
7 a.m. and 8 a.m. Central Time. Okay. If you would like to see some live birds, and you can also, if you have Periscope, you can type in questions to me, and I will try to answer them This in is real Tuesday, time. May 10th, for people who yes, are listening to Tuesday, the Tuesday, May 10th. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 2016, mm-hmm. on the off chance. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, download Periscope. It's free to have it, and you can watch it. There are other videos that you can watch on there, too. And uh, I'm going to be playing with Periscope this weekend... Uh, at biggest week, and try and see if I can get people woodcocks and um, whippoorwills. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to get a warbler, but unless there's like a stationary prothonotary warbler, I don't see that working out well. But um, so yeah, I'm on Periscope as at Birdchick. Mm-hmm. I'm under there as my Twitter handle um, for the um, Periscope thing for on Tuesday. That will be the official National Park Service Twitter account. So I think. I don't think it spells out full National Park Service. I think National is N-A-T-L, and then it's Park I'm Service. I'm sure we can dig that information out. Anyway, so Periscope is fun. Uh, you know, you and I could Periscope this podcast. Nope, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I've no, seen great. people who do that, and I abs- it baffle. Like, I've seen people who do, like, tech podcasts and stuff, and they do it, like, in a radio studio, and it's just the video of them sitting talking. There's nothing visually interesting about like you doing like stuff outside in nature. It's like, here's this bird. Here's you know you can get this video with your smartphone. That is interesting. Seeing the two of us sitting. Okay, first of all, you would make me clean the apartment every time we <laughs> podcasted, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> we can hire someone. No, um, and no, there's nothing visually. People interesting would want to see. You know us. what we would do is we would we, when Dougal comes in, yeah. like he is right now. Right. Uh, we could just periscope Dougal. That's. Great. We can periscope Kabuki. People could see me checking my phone while you're going on about a story and then you so. glaring at me for not paying close enough attention. To well, what was really funny was I played with Periscope as Bird Chick mm-hmm. uh, before I did it for the actual park service. And the cockatiel is about to crawl on you, by the okay. way. Um, uh, and so, you know, some of our friends were on there like, hey, Sharon, how you doing? And, you know, we're just mm-hmm. kind of chatting back and forth. And then I did it for the National Park Service account. And... That is a that is a thousand. I mean, I have a decent following on oh, Twitter. Yeah. I have I have a respectable following yeah. on Twitter. But when you get like the, that account, so people can send heart, like they can send emojis to let you know that they like what you're doing. Sure. When I did it for the National Park Service account, it was like a waterfall of yeah. hearts were coming down, and then all these questions were coming in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how to answer all these. There's so many questions that I'm trying to answer, and I'm also trying to talk about hair. And so, but no, I enjoyed the I, I enjoyed the live feed and. Asking people questions. And cool. also, I just love that. I, I work in a very weird park. It's a very urban park. Mm-hmm. And the and the hashtag for that on Tuesday is going to be find your park GTA. No, no. Find your, hashtag find your park GMA. GMA. GTA because... is Grand Theft Auto. I apologize. That was not, a, <laughs> that was not an intentional joke. That is an interesting <laughs> national <laughs> park series. No, it'll also be... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. It'll be under the regular hashtag of Find Your Park. That is the official National Park Service hashtag mm-hmm. for their centennial. Um, it will be under hashtag My Park GMA. My Park GMA. Hashtag okay. My Park GMA. So yeah, yeah, if you're on there, you can ask me live questions. And if this is something that seems to work out, um, I might do it more. I was thinking about mm-hmm. maybe this summer doing like a, a weekly thing where I'm like doing it at Neil's house, where his birds are insane, sure. and you can ask me questions about birds, and yeah, mm-hmm. just just kind of a fun fun way to interact. So Periscope, check it out. If you are someone who enjoys sharing videos online, you should you should check out Periscope. It's fun. Right. It's a fun way to up your digiscoping game. <laughs> okay, all right. What uh, what news do we have? Okay, so actually, we should just segue into since we're talking about cams. All right. Let's just, oh, first let's get into, I was interviewed for an article about birders and Instagram. Birdstagram. Birdstagram, yeah. But um, it was a woman who was interviewing me for the Daily Dot to talk about how more birders are using uh, Instagram. And what ended up happening was, I I was like, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but can I talk to you for a second? Because you sound young. You sound under 30. (laughs) And she basically confirmed the theory that I've had for a long time. She's a birder. Uh, she had a family who who brought who mm-hmm. showed her birds, but sure, sure. at the end of the day, she doesn't really join the regular bird clubs. She finds <laughs> other birders on social media, and it was just fascinating to me that you know she has the, that classic demographic for years. When I'll ask someone, "Do you have bird feeders?" Yeah. 
Do you have a couple of bird books? Oh, yeah, I have like three or four. Do you have binoculars? Yeah. Do you actually go outside and look at birds? Yeah. You are a birder. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm a, but I mean, she is that demographic, and she, but it was just fascinating to me. So everyone out there who is lamenting where the young birders are, they are out there on Instagram, and they are out there on Snapchat, and they are not interacting with us. Not in, not in person, not in... Well, not on the social media. They're not necessarily doing it on Facebook and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're, I think with more and more in social media, you can create your own little tight-knit community. Sure. And that's what's appealing rather than these gigantic organizations where there's always some trolls in there who have to yeah, oh, sure. make yeah, yeah, yeah. it unfun. Yeah, anytime you get a group together, that does make it easier to, to target. Yeah. So, but it was just, it was just fascinating to me. And and again, I just want to say, if you are a birder who takes pictures, use Instagram. This is where you can you can post your photos to your heart's content. You will get the likes. You will get emojis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, in a strange way, that's sort of you know going back to the early days of birding when they didn't have these groups, and it was you know you would show it. You didn't to... have people taking pictures. No, back yeah. then, like you do now. And sure. I mean, in Instagram too, you can post photo videos of your birds yeah. and it's it's just don't annoy the pages with like quit showing us your cardinal photos just you can put it on instagram people love that shit on instagram yeah you can also and the nice thing about that is the people who are looking for those photos can find them yeah if you're tagging them correctly if you insist on being on facebook and you want to post cardinal so, photos you can post that to cardinal bomb on facebook speaking of getting annoying looks from my wife i was uh taking a picture of my ra- of our rabbit while i was podcasting and i want to show sharon like the adorable photo so oh, that she geez. knows so that she knows why i had to post that instantly while we were podcasting. you know i am so used to you doing other shit in this podcast <laughs> that it's like all right fine fine you know what you should probably do is you should probably send me that photo so I can yeah. put it in the podcast thing so people can see it. No, I don't want people spamming me with it. <laughs> it's on my Instagram. I'm your I wife. Wasn't. Give me your fucking photo. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what else do we have? Uh, there is a bald eagle cam. Great. Where the adults... Mm-hmm. Brought in a young cat. Oh yeah, I've heard about this. This is this is so prevalent. It, per, it made it even into my frame of view. Your frame of view. My frame of view. Your, your... My, the 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 barricades between myself and birding news that I have erected <laughs> were insufficient <laughs> to prevent this news from from penetrating into my consciousness. So essentially, it's the Hayes Bald Eagle cam. Sure. And this is a cam that's had all kinds of problems of like eggs not hatching and this sure. that, and the other. And so, and what's interesting is I have heard from people who work with cams that this has happened before. Oh yeah. Think of the most popular eagle cam out there. The first <laughs> okay. time that it, they they were up, the the feed went down for a few days for quote or not a few days, for like a day for mm-hmm. maintenance. And I was told by someone in the know it's like, "Oh no, they brought a cat to the nest and they didn't right. want people complaining about it." And so kudos to this cam for just being like, "Yep, we're going with it. We're leaving it." Yeah. And so all the news stories afterwards were headlines of viewers appalled as Eagle Cam shows feeding cat to its chicks. <sighs> right. And Audubon immediately released a very, or the Audubon chapter for this cam, mm-hmm. it released a very cautious statement saying we chose to leave it here because these are predators, mm-hmm. you know, cats sh- yeah. should be indoors when they're outdoors, they're at risk. We also believe that the cat was already dead when brought to the nest, which is true for most eagle stuff. And yeah. because eagles have a tendency to... Go for roadkill. Scavengers. It was probably a roadkilled cat anyway. Which I thought could have been, but would people have been able to tell? Because I mean I just I didn't watch the whole video. I just but I saw like the the still frame and stuff and it just looked like It was a dead cat. You could not tell there was no way you could tell from the video if it had been uh, a a cat that had been dead for I will say this. It was freshly dead. Because when it came to the nest, it was kind of floppy. Okay. But, I mean, the cat certainly wasn't alive. But it definitely was an adult cat. But it wasn't like a super tiny cat. It was like a teenage cat. Sure. Um, Did the cat have a plate of lasagna with it? It wasn't an orange tabby. Oh, okay. So it was neither Garfield nor Heathcliff. Okay. But, uh... So I was just kind of linking to it. I was like, good for this cam. And the birdist on Twitter uh, brought up that... You know, these headlines keep talking about people being appalled in controversy, but there's no actual proof of it. So I started kind of scanning through the Facebook page and some of the comments. And everyone was pretty much saying, hey, they were either saying, 
you know, cats shouldn't be indoors or people saying, I love cats, I have cats, I keep mine indoors and that's why, you know, this would sure. never happen to my cat. I could only find one comment and that was after the story had been out for a while of a woman calling everybody sick for wanting to watch eagles eat anything. But cat or, she, you know, she just... That's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, observation that there was this, oh, people are going to be so mm-hmm. pissed off about this and there's no evidence. Obviously, we would need to hear from... You know, the Audubon chapter. I just monitored it for the first 48 hours. Sure. Now, there's been some time. I'm sure some trolls could have jumped in on that. Um, But I did not see the huge cat lobby coming out saying, oh, we must destroy all eagle nests, or oh, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. But no, that's, that's, you know, I'm sure that, and I'm not calling the journalists who reported this liars for saying there was a controversy. It is obviously a controversial decision, because as you mentioned, other cams have taken the cams down. Allegedly, yeah. Let's say allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, that's a good piece of... uh, of observation there. Good. Yeah, good for yeah. That Were people actually... Was like, oh, but I mean, when of... you read Audubon's statement, you just assumed, <clears throat> and I had, because yeah. like, I generally don't read comments. It's like, oh, they must be getting well, a lot yeah, of comments Well, yeah, but I also... Because obviously, you know, we know some people who are very fervent in their beliefs that cats should be allowed to be outdoors. I wonder if they were... If they had actually received a lot of complaints... A lot of complaints. Or if they were just trying to get ahead of... I, my guess... I wonder if they were just trying to get ahead yeah. of it. And okay. maybe they got a few personal emails, but um, <clears throat> it's something... It's something that happens. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, gotta eat. as a rabbit owner, I'm not thrilled when I see a rabbit brush no. in the nest, but I understand that that's not my pet doodle. That's, that's yeah. a wild No, I mean, bird. we're having a rabbit boom year. In, OMFG, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's crazy, which means that next year, when we have a red-tailed hawk boom year, I know why that happened. <laughs> I mean, if we're going like, to have any kind of boom you know, year, we're going to have a coyote boom year yeah. in our neighborhood. Well, I mean, we already are. I mean... Yeah, we do have, I mean, we live in... Uh, we live in Minneapolis. We live on the edge of a suburban area. I mean, there are like some heavily, like, We live areas. on the edge of an urban area. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, it's not like a, like, I think of, like, when I think of an urban area, I think of, like, downtown. Like, yeah. there's no green, and there's obviously, you know, raccoons and foxes that live down there. But, I mean, there's a lot of greenery around where we are. But still, it's surprising to me to see a deer. Yeah. Which, are deer megafauna? I don't even know what the what the classification is, but like to see like seeing a coyote was really cool for me. Yeah, um, and I'm not upset about that. But then I don't have outdoor pets like dogs or children, which are not outdoor pets. Sorry for everyone, but uh, you know that was that was incredibly cool for me to see. I love seeing foxes and things, you know, animals you don't normally see in this area. And we will we live in an area where we can do that. I don't think they are. Um okay. uh, just just looking at the definition of megafauna, mm-hmm. um it's large or giant animals. So I think a moose would be megafauna. Okay. So I think deer would just be medium fauna. Just fauna. Just fauna. Yeah. 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 Microfauna. Elephant. Uh <laughs> <laughs> which I don't even know how I would react. There was a really great uh viral video like two or three years ago of a guy who was, you know, just walking and like looking at his cell phone and a bear comes across his path. Oh yeah. And the guy like gets scared and rough. He's like, ah, this is I why remember you know, that. Pay attention to where you're walking. It's like, who the fuck expects to see a bear when you're walking around <laughs> in a city? I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, the cockatiel. Yeah. You really want to be part of this podcast, mm. but you're angry about it. Yeah, I know. All right, uh, what other news stories do you have for us? All right. Um, uh, well, apparently, John James Audubon was a punk-ass troll. Uh, I think we've brought this up before, but yeah, continue. Well, now there's, like, real evidence. Okay. That, uh, according to an article from At- Atlas Obscura, which is a fun news. It is a very fun website. Yeah. Um, Audubon made up at least 28 fake species to prank a rival. What uh, <laughs> an asshole. I <laughs> Everything I read about him, it's like... I understand why this happened and why you made that decision to do, yeah. but that was kind of a dick move. Okay, well, let's unfold the story for me, please. I can, I can, I'm going to book this in my mind to see if I can guess how this is going to go, but, but you go ahead. But here's the thing. I thought for sure that this was going to be between him and uh, Alexander Wilson. Okay, that's where I thought this yeah, was going yeah, to. It, it was not going to. Our tortured Scottish poet. <laughs> yes. Our very hot tortured. I think if I want to have like a historic... Bang with someone, it would be Alexander Wilson. He's just so tortured. Good to know. Yeah, but um, and and also in his paintings, he looks hot. Oh, okay. He, he, I think he's hotter than Audubon. All right. I just need a moment. All right. Well, you weren't with me uh, in the wax museum in. Uh, 
New Orleans. New Orleans, where they had they did have a John, they had, had an Audubon uh, wax guy, wax guy like coming through, like coming through with his uh, his little paint. He wasn't painting at the time, but he was like coming through the the brush. It looked good for a wax. Think, I don't think I mean for a, for, for a fifteen year old wax museum. A lot guy. of the biographies that you read about Audubon talk about how great his hair was and how he was. <laughs> it does. It just talks about he had this really great luxurious hair. But he also, you know, had his buckskin. He would have been really smelly. Whereas I feel like, sure. well, everybody would have been. Everybody like would have. But I feel like Alexander Wilson just would have. Because you know what place smells great? Scotland, Scotland in the sixteen. <laughs> Scotland in the seventeen hundreds. He just would have been so upset and angry about what Audubon uh, was doing, and sure. I just, I just want to be there to comfort him <laughs> in a non-emotional way. <laughs> Do you have an actual story to go along with this? I do, I do, I do have, yeah. So, um. You gonna announce your collaboration with Chuck Tingle here? I would totally write. (laughs) All right. Chuck Tingle. So, what? I have mixed feelings about Chuck Tingle. I don't wanna get into that right now. Let's let's continue. Okay, so the prank apparently began when French naturalist Constantine Raffinesk. That's a great name. That is a fantastic name. Yeah, it is a great name. Uh, sought. On Audubon on a journey down the Ohio River in 1818. Okay. Audubon was years away from publishing his Birds in America book, but uh, he was already known for. Oh, this was back. Yeah, this probably would have been even before Wilson, before he knew Wilson. So he's basically taking this naturalist out and showing him all these species. Okay. Audubon fed Raffinesque descriptions of American creatures, including 11 species of fish that never really existed. Uh, what a dick. And this poor naturalist jotted them down in his notebook and put them up as evidence of new species. Uh, science was easier back it then. It really was. I'm like, some guy just described some this guys... to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, okay. So basically, this is, yeah, this is... This is essentially a, a W.C. Field sketch here, where he's like, oh, let me tell you about the hipped wing monopod. It's yeah. fascinating. Oh, that's very fascinating. Let me write this. I picture this other guy, the French guy, is the Margaret Dumont in this sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Firefly, tell me more about these amazing creatures. So apparently what had happened was there was this guy uh, who's a curator at the Smithsonian Natural History Museum named Neil Woodman. Sure. And so he was going through Raffinesque's work... Uh, <laughs> And he started wondering about his, the French guy's accuracy when he found that a shrew he had identified was, in fact, a jumping mouse. Okay. Oh, well, can you imagine the scandal? And Woodman's long-term goal, one of them, was to try and actually identify this mouse that Raffinesque was describing. Uh-huh. And then, uh, so, when he figured out that Raffinesque had also been naming mammals based on his time with Audubon, Woodman started worrying. Yeah, dear. <laughs> John James Audubon, punk ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I mean, there are all kinds of things like you can see in the drawings: so, lion-tailed jumping mouse, the black-eared shrew, oh the brindled stammeter. So, okay, so not cool on Audubon's part, obviously. Okay, that's a. We'll we'll come back to that. That's the thrust of this. But B, this guy is writing stuff down for a naturalist journal. Of things he didn't actually see. Is this a Mr. Magoo character? But I mean, here at the time, they would not have had binoculars. The only way that you could confirm the sighting of something at that time was to shoot it. Right, but he didn't. He didn't. He said that Raffinesque probably did worry a little bit about the information Audubon was giving him. Oh my god. But only the accuracy of tiny details. He never seemed to suspect that maybe some of these species didn't exist at all. What a dick. Yeah, so Audubon... (laughs) You know, and you pointed this out to me that in Audubon's drawings, he like poses the birds in very strange ways. Do you suppose he actually spent any time in nature? Oh, absolutely, I do, sure? I do, okay. I do. I mean, his the way he de- I mean, the feather details. But I think it's one of those things. Like what it came down to was he tried to by having uh-huh. these gigantic elephant folios, but they, like you look at the great blue heron, and he was like, I'm just going to make it look good. Mm. And and so that was Audubon's thing. He had this thing of he had the artistic talent to make things look pretty and look right. good and look dramatic. And he was just he's kind of like well it's kind of like sometimes when I butt heads with producers of stuff and it's like mm, less accuracy more pretty <laughs> accuracy more accurate. Can we make this accurate? <laughs> 
Okay, all right. Uh, what's our next story? <laughs> Audubon was it? the National Dick Society. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to call Audubon that. <laughs> it was the entire society. The entire. So, yeah, the, think about that. Okay. Oh, here's a funny story. No oh, good. <laughs> Migrating birds boycott North Carolina. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Just, you know, get it out of your system. Let's go. I don't know. Let's go. So this has to do with the bathroom law that, uh, that is going on about, you know, keeping people of identifiable, of their whatever gender they want right. out of different bathrooms. I'm just going to say for the record, I don't care who pees with me. In the I bathroom. really want no one in the bathroom with me is my is my stance. As long as I just someone, want some privacy. I have peed in the woods. Yeah. I have peed in the well. I've done everything you possibly can in the woods as a mm-hmm. woman when you have to go to the bathroom in the prairie as well. As long as you don't bite me in the ass, I don't care <laughs> what gender you are. All right. Oddly enough, here's the thing: if I had to use a bathroom, a public bathroom, with someone of any sex. Right. I would rather it be a total stranger than you. <laughs> I like to keep that mystery in our marriage. <laughs> you still have no idea what gender I am, as a matter of fact. I probably should. You know, it's just okay, so whatever gender you are, it's working for me. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the birding angle. No, so they took story. actual birds. Uh, okay. and, and I think, into the bathrooms and release them. I think the black and white warbler is one of my favorites. <laughs> but basically, so the article is that uh, the enactment of the sweeping anti-LGBT law, HB2, has already uh, resulted in PayPal scrapping plans, and also now many birds say they'll take their seasonal migrations elsewhere. Mm. So according to the Black and White Warbler, take your binoculars out and peep at some bare branches, you stupid, hairy enemies of social progress, because you're not going to have the Black and White Warbler to ogle ever again. Fuck this neo-confederacy bullshit. Here's here's what I like about this story. <laughs> is that animals can talk and it's not the environmental devastation and the massive loss of habitat that's that's gonna be their political rallying yeah. cry. It's it's a human bath. The person who wrote this knows yeah. about birds because they have an ostrich and it's sure. his quote is I'm not going anywhere. I didn't ask to be here in the first place. Some <laughs> asshole brought me in a crate. Great. <laughs> oh, all right, good. good. Where and where did this appear? This came from the medium, and you have to read. There are oh, several sure. quotes here. I, I don't want to spoil them all, but the Eastern Kingbird is great, sure. and the 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 bathroom issue. No one cares. Right. No one cares. Well, people care. I mean, I think that's the, the, the problem. Well, the uh, problem is, that, like, the argument that, you know... Sure. Sidebar. Uh, news Today, Department of Justice informed the governor that this law violates the Civil Rights Act. So, oh. Well, 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 as well it should. Because, yeah. you know, if someone is going to do nefarious things in a bathroom, they're not going to care whatever law is there in the first yeah. place. And, well, also, if someone is a predator... They're using one of the bathrooms. You don't want kids of either sex mm. around that person. They just ban kids. Ban kids from bathrooms. Ban kids. Actually, you know what I would like? I would like it when I'm peeing and someone has brought their child into the bathroom who's at that age yeah. between 5 and 10 when they're curious and they right. suddenly are looking at you from under the stall and oh, saying, hey, what's going that. on there? And it's like, yeah. can you please? I don't want to be an anatomy lesson for your kid yeah, right now. It's cute. They're curious. Yeah. No, it's not. Take your kid away. All right. Great story. Next. Uh, speaking of creepy kids. <laughs> great. I love this is taking a very strange. <laughs> I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of weird things I've had happen dead in the bathroom. Ca- is this your dead cats and like, is this your coven <laughs> podcast now? I'm not the only one this happened to. I okay. only thought of this because a friend of ours who is a roller derby person mm-hmm. uh brought this up and i was like this has happened to me in a bathroom too where it's like all of a sudden there's an eight-year-old hey mm-hmm. there and it's like go away just, just i just want to be um creepiness linked to men clowns and bird watching yeah i remember this story well i, well, I, sh- I should hope so yeah because <laughs> i'm all three <laughs> so it's like creepiness linked to men clowns and sure. bill steitler oh great Hey, started from nothing, now I'm here. All right, lay it on us. So, uh, yeah, they were just talking about, they they interviewed over 1,300 people about what kinds of things creep them out. Okay. Uh, 
And people acknowledge that, you know, sometimes the creepiness isn't that they they think the person intends them harm. They mm-hmm. just think it's weird. Sure. And one of the things is bird watching. And, and this is something that oh, people yeah. have discussed with birding for years because... Like, number one, when I go out mm-hmm. in my patch here locally and I have my spotting scope, everybody assumes I'm taking pictures. Sure. And I get frustrated because I'm like, it's not a f- camera. But then I thought, well, it's right. more effort for me to say. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I get that because it's it's not a telescope. You're yeah. out in the day. Yeah. Uh, and that's, it looks like a telephoto lens. And in yeah. fairness, you use it as a telephoto lens. Yeah, I do. I do. And a lot of... And even if they haven't seen you before, I mean, you see, if you see bird watchers out there, that's what they're doing with it. But there's also the whole thing of, well, what are you, what are you going to do once you see the bird? If you, if you're not Uh someone like me who's taking a picture and it's like, well, I just wanted to see this bird. Uh Or if someone who's like, I need to get all these birds on my list. So I'm going out to try and see as many Uh birds. And it's like, well, are you going to win a prize for that? No, not really. It's just my personal goal. Okay. Okay. Do you have to show any proof that you've seen this bird? No, I just I can just say that I've seen it. Okay. Have you ever had uh, the authorities called on you? Um, I did, but that was survey related and not. Yeah, no, I mean like just like out like. Oh, if taking someone thinking no. that you're a pervert or a spy or something like that. Uh, I had that happen once near the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport. I've had that happen a couple times. But no, out in the middle, that's not going to happen to me because I am a short white woman who looks Mm -hmm. younger than I am. So if ever the police are going to stop me outside of an airport, it is out of concern for my personal welfare. (laughs) Okay. Um, It is anytime... That that is one thing. Like when I am out in the middle of a a country road Mm. and walking along... Everyone will stop and make sure that I'm okay and that I'm not having car trouble, whether I have my scope or not. I think men, and especially men who uh, have who have darker skin, let's just say it out. If you have darker skin and you're a bird watcher, it is. I have read it time and again, or Mm. talked to people time and again. And even white guys have had this happen. Um, And and I do try to be very conscious of where I aim my optics, uh, especially in urban areas. But I think I could get away with aiming my optics at sure and house. also when like a lot of bird watchers out there you're wearing very drab clothing uh you're being quiet you're not trying to draw attention to yourself mm-hmm. and yeah it's i get it i get the well and the few people who do know problem. that i'm i'm watching wildlife or something in my patch like i told you this the other day like someone like was like oh you got anything good and i think they expect me to say something like oh it's a bluebird and i say yeah swamp sparrow <laughs> and there's just no response there's just kind of quizzical look i got that i think i got that once i was uh, staying at a friend's house who uh lived in a sort of a very rural area and i had uh just gone for a walk and i was walking back along this road um, and there were some, you know, houses there. I noticed, like, two or three people were like, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, well, I wasn't carrying any bird watching equipment, but mm-hmm. I was a guy. I was in this small town. Mm-hmm. I was a guy they did not recognize walking along this road that didn't really go anywhere. So I got that. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's one of the reasons why whenever we're in, like, those those rural areas, because mm-hmm. people pay attention to... And they know place. each other. Yeah, they know each other. I always make sure to give the wave mm-hmm. whenever we're passing sure. people. Because, like, if you don't give the wave, that automatically makes you suspicious. Sure. But, um... Well, it was, like, that shirt. Uh, I... I don't know if I tweeted it. I posted it somewhere, but there was a shirt that said, I watch birds so I don't choke people. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is a great shirt. And then your response to that was... It's a perfect shirt for a white woman to wear. And I was like, you're absolutely right. Because, like, if Drew Lanham, Dr. Drew Lanham was wearing if that shirt... I wore that shirt. You are it's, kind of a scary guy. Yeah, it's not exactly. <laughs> you're kind of angry on no, the internet. No, there is... There is a, it's like... <laughs> sometimes, like, there, there used to be... It is... Uh, well, okay. There's a place in South Texas uh, that used to be a small family pharmacy oh yeah and a gun store and it was called Nichols guns and drugs they've since gotten rid of the pharmacy and expanded the gun business so they're yeah. still there and I, I, have... I will point out that this is one of the few birding towns you've gone to me with and you have a shirt from when it was guns and drugs yeah I specifically went there because <laughs> I wanted to see this place and I have this shirt and I wonder sometimes like I'm not afraid of you know wearing this shirt it's like oh I'm walking around wearing this shirt that says guns and drugs on it yeah, in our very liberal neighborhood. In our very liberal neighborhood. We are not liberal enough for this neighborhood. 
Oh. But no, but it, it's it's an interesting thing that that as a woman, I it's it's hilarious if I want to be. Oh violent. yeah, no, that's yeah, no, that I get it. But I think this this kind of goes back to the and this goes back to the whole thing of one of the reasons why people find birders. So I'm probably not creepy. I'm just weird to someone. Mm-hmm. I'm just like I don't know what this woman. Kooky. Yeah, but. There is the thing of, and I think we talked about, I can't remember if we've talked about this in a previous podcast. I know I had discussions with people online about it, but up in Saxon Bog, there was a family who has a regular great gray owl that has staked out their mm-hmm. property uh, as its territory, and birders stop by all the time. And the one of the property owners posted on Facebook on her personal page, and she made it mm-hmm. public, and she's like, if you know birders, please share this. Quit looking in our yard. It is freaking us the fuck out. Uh-huh. I don't feel like I can let my kids outside because you show up at random times and you aim these gigantic lenses at our property. Uh-huh. And it and, and there are also some people who were just like trudging onto the property. Uh, sure. And so I think that is something to consider that whether you're in an urban area, and I think it's more important when, especially if you're in an, in a rural area. Don't aim your optics at people's houses sure. or just be very conscious of that. And don't mm-hmm. think, well, I'm only going to be here for a few minutes because birding is popular. You are one of several that are going to be out there. And yeah. you should really try to make friends with the landowners if mm-hmm. you can. And you just have to accept it sometimes if someone says, no, I don't want you on my property. You need to leave. You you need to leave. No yeah. matter how heartbreaking, gorgeous shot Right. Of a boreal chickadee that you can get or an owl. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, there are a lot of great shots of owls out there. At this point, you're only getting those shots for your personal enjoyment. And if right. someone is telling you you can't have that northern hawk owl, there's <clears> another <throat> one out there that you're going to have to go to. Yeah. I know it sucks. But anyway, something to keep in mind is that we're kept creepy. And I guess, yeah, I won't wear the shirt that says I watch birds, so I won't choke people. <laughs> yeah, that's you all over. Okay, so what else you got for us? Um, I have something that is just going to enrage birders uh, across the world. Uh, Let me take a guess. Is it anything? (laughs) It is called the Ornithologist's Songbird Attractor. Okay. So it is a device that can tape outside of your home. Okay. And it plays bird calls all day to bring birds in. Uh, all right. Is this product commercially available right now? Oh, guess where you'd find it. Uh, I would say America. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's a okay, type of it's... catalog, which maybe you don't know the catalog, but when I tell it to you, you're going to be like, of course, that's where it is. Okay. To lay it on me. Uh, Hammaker Schlemmaker or Schlemmer? Hammaker oh, Schlemmer? Oh, Hammaker Schlemmer. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's okay. like one of those. But so, um, and, and on the one hand, when I, used, yeah. when I used to work at a wild bird store, uh, we would sell things back when cassettes were still a thing. Mm-hmm. We would sell a chickadee cassette, and it was you played it just until the chickadees came to your bird feeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once they came, you stopped playing it. And we also had one for goldfinches, and we had one for purple martins, because when you put up a purple martin box, right. those being socially nesting birds, you needed... Uh, you needed calls to attract them in, but there were very there were instructions about how to use it, and there was the understanding of like if you play this in January, it's not going to happen. This plays several species. Okay. Uh, one setting plays the melodious songs of bluebirds, orioles, wrens, finches, and <laughs> indigo buntings. Okay. Uh, while the other reproduces the song of beneficial purple martins. <laughs> not the other kind. Yeah. Those. <laughs> artificial purple martins um it's activated by an internal light sensor so here's the thing number one if you live in minnesota and you play this in the winter time it is really not gonna work no and i don't know what calls they're using i'm assuming they're using the breeding calls but nathan's wick from uh you see him a lot with the american breeding association i think he's actually a professor but anyway he was like well, you know, depending on the time of year, if you play some of this stuff, it will drive birds away. Because if you're, you know, indigo buntings first come back, right. and there's this loud indigo bunting playing, it's going to be like, oh shit, I don't want to hang out in this yard. I'm going to move on. Yeah. The big problem I see is that when a, pr- a predator arrives at the bird feeder, everybody typically shuts up, and that's one of the things that you always get clued into when we're around birds. It's like, oh, everything's yeah. quiet all of a sudden, and so. <laughs> It's going to keep making noise when predators are around. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's, 
It has. Uh, on the one hand, it's like I can see why this is a good idea, but an no, all this day is a terrible. Well, idea. no, I could see why if you just knew enough about birds that right. play. Basically, the person that invented this was out with a naturalist, and that person. Okay, I do this sometimes on private property. If I have a friend who's like, I've never seen X bird. And I'm like, oh, really? You want to see one right now? Because I hear one out here. I'll play the call on my phone once. The bird will pop up. And I'm like, you, you've seen the bird. Yeah. We can move on. This is something that I will do for good friends on private property. <laughs> I may occasionally do it on field trips. I'm very There is an art and science to taped calls. Right. I don't think that you should never do tape calls ever. I do think there are times and situations when you should not use tape calls. And until there are actual legit studies that tell me otherwise, I'm not going to feel bad about playing tape calls to show someone who has never seen an Eastern Toey an Eastern Toey. Okay. Now, if it's something like at Loring... Oh, there's a specific place in my park where there are a lot of indigo buntings. And I know people play tape calls there all the time. I'm not going to play the tape call there because the birds are just going to be driven nuts. But... but I can see how someone's like, oh, I saw somebody do this. We could just make this box that plays these calls all day long. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I love idea. how it's called the Ornithologist Songbird Attractor. I want to know what Ornithologist <laughs> signed off on this. But anyway, uh, you can order that. It attracts Ornithologists to your yard to complain that you should oh, be playing calls. Oh, nobody wants that. <laughs> oh, God, that's horrible. No. Okay, and then our final story. All right. Uh, new tool tracks crow attacks in Vancouver. Okay. My question is... Sure. What was the old tool like? <laughs> Why are the crows in Canada so violent? Yeah. <laughs> so apparently it's an issue with nesting crows where crows are... Uh... That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because my experience with crows is that they try to lead you away from the nest. Here the crows are quiet. Yeah. And like, you know, if you see a crow with a twig or a crow <laughs> heading towards... It, it just freezes, flies the other yeah. direction. But yeah. yeah, crows here are really cagey. But... They have like they're they're using some. It's called crow tracks, and basically they're using GIS for people to report where they've been dive bombed by crows, okay. and they're creating these hot spots. And so you can know like, okay, if this is the area where crows are attacking, I need to go with umbrellas. But it's fascinating. It's interesting. Crows I've never they, no, I've never I've never yeah, heard of that. Like that at all. Our crows. And here I guess like, like they always nest like around here. They always nest very high in trees. I guess we don't. I've never experienced urban nesting crows because we live in Minneapolis, which is a very you know forest. Did you urban. not know that we had crows nesting like across the street from us at our old place? Well, no. What I'm saying is, it's like they're not like nesting like in doorways like with other no, birds you hear like no, 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 oh no. these robins are diving yeah, at yeah. our head what's going on here it's like the crows always like nest like you know they're I very remember they being, don't draw attention to themselves being like a block and a half and i had noticed it was right before a leaf out had happened and it was mm-hmm. at our old place and and i could see a nest that was starting to be built and then i was i was watching as a crow was in the tree and kind of going towards it and i'm a block and a half away with my binoculars yeah. and i have my spotting scope and that crow realized i was watching it and would mm. not go anywhere near that nest sure. and it wasn't until like a couple weeks later when the nest was completed and they were incubating and i got my scope on it and i could clearly see a crow in there incubating and she did not like that at all she left right away but mm. i was just yeah and maybe it's because crows are hunted here in minnesota i don't mm. know if they're yeah. hunted in canada in Canada, they're not hunted. They're just like, okay, we own you. But I'm just saying, like, even if you know you find a crow on a nest, I've never, like, I've never heard of them trying to drive no, humans no, away. No. And we have walked directly under nests because sure. I, I remember there was another spot where there was a crow nest, and we would walk under it regularly when we do morning walks. Weird. But yeah, it's and it, but I mean, it just kind of goes to that thing where there are localized populations, and the birds learn things and learn what they can get away with and. I just love that Canada has to create a GIS map to track crow attack <laughs> hotspots. All right. Uh, what else we got? Okay, so um, we were dividing the podcast into sections, mm-hmm. and uh, there were um, places where people could ask questions. Yeah. And I am going to, I'm not going to cite any one person because I am getting these questions uh, in several forms. Okay. Oh, actually, I can cite a source. So our friend Leanne, Leanne Olson, who runs a great t-shirt shop called Geekiana, Mm -hmm. uh, she had a question today of uh, there are ducks nesting in a church that she goes to Mm -hmm. that are, it's a courtyard situation, kind of like our apartment building. Mm -hmm. The mallard is nesting there, but there is no way for the mallard to get out. The the mallard is nesting there? The female mallard is nesting there. So 
This female has figured out, oh, I can fly over the building to get to the mm. lake to eat. Uh, and oh, stuff. yeah, sure. Hasn't thought through to, this yeah. is completely enclosed, so when the chicks hatch, what you can do. Sure. There is actually a school that has been dealing with this issue in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so what they've done is they keep track of when they see her to incubate for Sirius. Mm-hmm. And around about the time it's getting close for the chicks to hatch, they open up doorways from the courtyard and doorways to the outside of the building and then they block off everything else with construction paper and they kind of herd the hen mallard out with her chicks and she has kind of figured it out over the few years so if you have a mallard nesting in an inconvenient spot we used to have there was a bank near us where ducks would regularly nest in the planter that was always fun oh yeah i remember that okay good good answer so um yeah that was so so think outside the box I so guess. yeah and and actually uh, leanne had a good question because i sent her the link to the news story of the ducks yeah. that you know they just like open mm-hmm. the door from the courtyard and the door and she's like the nearest pond is nine blocks away mm-hmm. mallards will walk their chicks yeah. a mile to water yeah. and wood ducks will do the same thing yeah. and yeah it's not the safest journey ever but the female mallard is going to know where the pond is because right. she's been flying to it and right. Le- leanne was just like oh that's crazy but it's like the mallard knows where the pond is. Doesn't want to walk it, but is going to have to with her chicks. Yep. So just get creative. Yeah. All right. What else we got? We have jobs. All right. So uh, the other thing we're trying to do with the podcast is talk about bird jobs. Should you mm-hmm. take them or not? <laughs> and I noticed over on the OSNA, Ornithological Societies of North America, job board, there are uh, two fairy wren volunteer field assistant positions that are open i don't know what that is fairy wrens are cool (laughs) sure so one is a superb fairy wren volunteer field assistant (laughs) in australia do i need to google (laughs) superb no no, i don't even want to know just actually i was looking at both of these jobs and it suddenly realized to me i was like oh wow these are both fairy wren jobs so here's a superb fairy wren outstanding so yeah it's it's like it's like a really classy elegant chickadee okay um, so they're looking for field assistants to help monitor a color-banded population of superb fairy wrens. Okay. Four-month minimum. saying that, it's not going to okay. get less ridiculous. Oh, just wait. Duties include catching birds for personality testing. <laughs> right. Personality testing before and after the breeding season. Okay. How do you personality test? A I have wren? not. They, that's the mystery box. You have to take the job to find out. I'm just trying to figure out. I was like, I can understand the personality mm-hmm. testing of just watching an individual, but you have to catch them and do a personality sure. test. I don't. You fill out a Cosmo quiz. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, continue. Regular sensing of color banded birds during the breeding season, looking for nests, behavioral observation, video analysis, data proofing. Working days are long. With early starts, six days a week. No kidding. Enthusiasm, self-motivation, and a strong worth ethic, a must. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's uh, see. Uh, compensation. Bear, bear training? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no bear no training. Bear no, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, compensation. On-site accommodation in a house. <laughs> okay. With shared dorm-style room. Oh, fantastic. It's provided at no cost. Great. Uh, but assistants must cover their travel to the site. Oh, God. Where is this place again? And their own food costs. Uh, Australia. You have to pay for your own... Okay. Melbourne, Bull, Australia. Bullshit. You have to pay for your own food. I call bullshit. Well, here we go. The project will reimburse up to 750 Australian dollars, which mm-hmm. I just calculated mm-hmm. is about $500, $560 uh-huh. a month towards uh, food and travel expenses. Bullshit. 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 This is how you can get superb fairy wren on your Bullshit. list. Bullshit. Four months at 700, or I'm sorry, four months at $560 a month plus Bullshit. housing. Bullshit. It is kind of a cool bird to see. Like, maybe if they were providing food, $500 a month would be okay, but you have to buy your own food. Bullshit. You're going to be eating a lot of Vegemite. It's going to be ramen. <laughs> Top ramen. All right, so here... No, it's it's Australia. It's, okay, so here we go. So the other one is Papua New Guinea Volunteer oh, Food, God. Housing, and... Oh, wait, no, let me... <clears throat> I was reading this wrong. Right. Papua New Guinea Volunteer. Okay. Food. Sure. Housing. Okay. 
and adventure provided. <sighs> yeah, I bet. So duration, this is another one that's three to four months. Okay. I am seeking two field assistants for a research project on the behavioral ecology of the white-shouldered fairy wren. So it's not the superb fairy wren, the white-shouldered wren. Fairy wren. (laughs) Okay. They exhibit a fascinating pattern of variable female ornamentation. Some females are heavily ornamented, kind of like males, while other populations of females are drab to intermediate. Um, so you're going to go to Papua New Guinea. Your tasks include mist netting, uh-huh. color banding and reciting, nest searching, behavioral assays, uh, outreach to local communities. So okay. not only do you ha- need to know research, but you have to be outgoing, okay. which is not always mutually exclusive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Field sites are in remote villages. Think Oboe, Western Province, uh, Porotana, Malin Bay. I have I don't no know idea where, where any are. of those yeah. places are, so I cannot think of them. Living conditions are very basic. Sure. With no electricity. Okay, mm, fair enough. Uh, and little outside contact. All right. However, we do have cell phone reception at both sites. It doesn't say what it is. Okay. Bugs, rain, high temperature. Mm. Crocodiles and venomous snakes are all present on site. Okay, props to this person for like (laughs) putting that in there. For like, you know, it's like, hey, I kind of feel like Australia probably should have mentioned some. Well, you're in Melbourne. I mean, that's a you know, that's that's a populous area. No, but kudos. Okay, kudos for this person being up front saying, "Here's what you're dealing with." Okay, housing and food will be provided on site. Okay, good. But the applicant will be responsible for travel to and from Papua New Guinea. I've lost my ability to be offended by the fact that they cannot provide your travel expenses. I'm just numb to that anymore. I assume that's the case. But see, here's the thing. So they're providing food and housing, but they're not giving you the 750 stipend that the other job was giving you. That's, yeah, I mean, like, whatever. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Yeah, provi- I think I think I would be more okay with them providing food and not giving you because it says reimbursing, which means you have to get it first and then you get the money yeah, back. Yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of a dick move. But it says uh, so. I love the qualifications. Applicants must be comfortable working in harsh tropical conditions. Mm-hmm. Be highly motivated. Hold a valid international passport. Sure. Have a good sense of humor. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. You're not getting paid jack shit. Yeah. You better be funny. You better be ready to And highly adventurous. Yeah. Okay. Good. I actually like this ad. This ad is like one of the better ads that we have heard in a while because it's not trying to smoke screen you. Yeah. It's like, if you want to do this, here's what it's like. I'm actually for all of this except the the community outreach. Well. I mean, I I love community outreach. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like that's a separate position from monitoring birds. Mm. But, uh, well, and I also have my own issues of stories that I've heard from uh, Papua New Guinea that makes me not want to go. But it's, I will say that the white shouldered fairy wren is not as cool looking as the superb fairy wren. Well, it is cool looking. It's called the superb fairy wren. Yeah, yeah, but I I mean, mean, you remember what the superb fairy wren looked like? No. This. No, it had blue on it. This this bird does not have blue on it. So anyway, anyway, but it's it's a, you can go stay. It is something I would consider if you were dead. <laughs> this is what I do on the internet. Is I look at jobs that show up on the internet. And it's like, oh, I'm going to keep that God. in the file of, should I find myself suddenly oh, widowed? This oh is God. where I'm going to go. Great. What? I'm, just, no, I'm more curious about the person who's posting this at. Like, they got the grant to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is their thingamajig this is like their phd project or this is the thing that this is for whatever reason the thing that they do which i think is really cool in a certain way and now they have to find two more lunatics to come out to papua new guinea with them to to take care of if i had married for money right and just was one of these women who you know i i had some obligations to do a few certain things but eventually it was just like you wanted to take off for four months i would just be like honey go do what you're gonna do this is a very private benjamin situation where she's like she really needs to just recreate her life no private benjamin's very different (laughs) wow i didn't realize this was gonna be a contentious (laughs) comparison (laughs) no private benjamin is like 
Her no. husband died. While they were having sex, yeah. And she decided she needed to completely remake her life. Because well, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be remaking my life. I'm just saying that as someone who is in a committed relationship, right. I realize there are some things that I cannot do and also keep the relationship. <laughs> I cannot go do a volunteer-ish field assistant thing that's going to keep me away for four months where I will have limited contact. Right. You know, like, my dream, one of the stories I did not talk about tonight, um, it was a story about, I think, someone in one of the western states who does Midway Addle. She started off as one of the crazy volunteers who goes out for, like, a few months at a time and now is a biologist out there. And it's like, my dream is, I want to go to Midway Addle. I would love for someone to say, go to Midway Addle for the (sighs) Department of the Interior and tell us what's going on out there. But, I mean, the only way to get out there is to have one of those field positions where you're out there for three to four months. I want to do that. That would be terrible for our marriage. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be great. And, I mean, it's not (laughs) that... and Because it's not only that it is far away, but I would not be able to talk to you easily. No. I travel a lot. I mean, I, I brought this up recently. I'm trying to cut back on travel. But, like, looking at the travel that I have done in the last three years and how often I was gone, I'm like, how the fuck did we stay married? <laughs> but one of the ways that that, stay, that we did was that there are these great things called SIM cards. Right. So we can text each other throughout times when we're awake and still yeah. kind of have that kind of day-to-day interaction that creates intimacy. Sure. That's not possible on Midway at all. Yeah. I mean, Midway at all, everything I've read out there is like... Yeah, there we kind of have cell service out here, but most of the time it doesn't work. We right. kind of have an emergency phone, but it's really for emer- just really oh, don't right. plan on being on the internet. Right. And so that's why it's like that's the sort of job where I just think, okay, if 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 something traumatic happens to Bill and I don't know what to do with myself, I'm going to Midway. If Adam. you need to flee the country and go where someone <laughs> no one can find you. Yeah. You have a suitcase filled with $100 bills and a Pistol that I has actually, a no, what my suitcase off. would be filled with because if you because I just wouldn't because you you would be gone and I would no longer care. My suitcase would be filled with <laughs> no, <laughs> no seriously. I thought this out. <laughs> I have like my so, basic. No, listen, hear me out. This is what do you want to know? What's in my suitcase? No, I, I want to know what the premise. So the premise is I'm gone and you don't care. Okay. No, you've you've. <laughs> You you you've passed. I'm just gonna. I'm dead. You're dead, and you don't even care. No, I don't care about life. <laughs> not I don't. It's not that I don't care that you're gone. It's just that I don't care about life anymore. I am going to fill my suitcase with Cool Ranch Doritos. Sure. Uh, uh, hopefully, now are we talking about bags of Cool, or you're just gonna like get like. <laughs> A bunch of bags of Cool Ranch Doritos and open them and pour them into your bag. I'm going to do whatever is going to allow the most amount of Doritos <laughs> okay. into my suitcase. Right. That, um, Chef Boyardee ravioli. Sure. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, those, uh, what were those? I don't know if they even still make them. These are what... Got- Microwave cheese fries. No. This is what got me through the Ivory Build Woodpecker surveys. Um... They're the frozen peanut butter and jelly... Uncrustables. Yeah. Uncrustables. Oh, yeah. You were a big fan of those. Boxes and boxes of Uncrustables. Sure. And just go out into nature, because that's what you love is nature. <laughs> With your Cool Ranch Doritos and your Uncrustables and your ravioli. <laughs> and I'll probably have a suitcase of Jameson, too. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I'm just going to hang out with Albatross now, for three months and get over you. are you going to buy the top hat that has the top of it just, like, flipped open? Or are you going to wait for that to happen naturally? <laughs> with your bindle full of Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> and I'm going to sit out there. I'm going to find Wisdom the Albatross, the, like, 60-something-year-old yeah. Albatross who's, like, oh, traveled God. the world a bazillion this times. And, had, like, and I'm just going to sit next to her <sighs> nest. And cry and just be like, I you're B. Arthur to my Rue McClanahan. I have had enough of this nonsense. <laughs> what is? What is? What do we need to do to get out of here? This is what I'm going to do when Bill dies. Yeah, Kurt's going to have to take over Birds and Beers full Ugh. time. Okay, so this is the end of the podcast. So this is where we wrap things up and we talk about things we would probably recommend. Sure. Cool Ranch Doritos. No. Yes. <laughs> Feel free. Uh, I'm going to recommend a new podcast I'm doing with my friend Sam Landman. It's called Aging Poorly with Sam and Bill. You can find more information at agingpoorly.com. It is an anti-nostalgia podcast. Our first episode is up, and our second episode goes up next Monday. You need to 
find a way to get paid for starting up podcasts. Well, that's the goal. Because you have like Bill no, and Brandy just... talk black exploitation. You sure. have Bird Chick. You have this one. Yep. You have a movie date with Bill. Yep. And just you know what? I just enjoy doing them, and they don't really cost me anything, and I like doing them, so that's why I do them. All right. So, all right. What's your recommendation? My recommendation is an Etsy shop. Okay. Called the Happy Wren. Uh-huh. Uh, and what's great is uh, I met this person uh, a few years ago, and the best part about this person was when they sent me the initial email. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were, and this is advice to anyone who's ever met me. They were very specific about what bird festival I met them at mm-hmm. because I go to a lot of bird festivals, and I really try hard to remember everybody. But unless you're a bird, it's really hard. <laughs> but she also, we also had a very unique situation happen of me being envious of this very old bird book and a bidding at a silent auction and things. So she referenced that and I was like, I know exactly who you are. She's like, right. hey, if you're curious, I have an Etsy shop. Could you check it out? Right. And I was like, okay, sure. She has cool ass birding shirts on her on her website, and I have ordered two already. Mm-hmm. Um. One is the my absolute the shirt that sold me is uh, she has a shirt of it's the moon and it's silhouettes of birds migrating at night but they're actual birds so one's a nighthawk one's a woodcock one's a robin she actually goes the whole nine yards and tells you what every single bird on the shirt is but she has that she has a great shorebird shirt I bought a raven shirt on that website cool. so I'm gonna recommend the Happy Wren on Etsy because and they're really nice shirts they're. All right. They're not just your garden variety, boxy bird festival shirts that make you look like a sack of potatoes. I'm sorry, bird festivals, but most of you out there have really cool designs, but you have t-shirts that a lot of us out there aren't going to wear. It's a dance-off. All right, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 208. If you have any questions for Sharon, you can find her on Twitter, where she is at birdchick. You can find her on her website, birdchick.com. She is also on the Faces Books. And the Periscopes. And the Periscopes and, and the all the YouTube. other things. You Pretty much all... just look for Bird Chick. You can look for the Bird Chick. All right. Hold we'll... on. Hold on. No, hold on. Jesus. No, 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 no. All right. I just want to add, it's bird festival season. Right. I'm going to be at Biggest Week this weekend. Okay. And if you're there and you've heard this podcast by then, please come up and say hi. Right. Don't assume that I know you by your Facebook profile, sure. especially if you have an animal or bird as your Facebook profile. I don't know what to, what the hell you look like. Uh, and then the next week, I'm going to be at Cashamac Bay. So we won't podcast until I'm back from Alaska. All right. And you shouldn't be listening to podcasts. You should be out there watching birds. It's Jerks. Migration. Yeah. Take that. All right. Uh, peace out. <laughs>